The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm jealous. You're leaving on a jet plane. I'm so jealous. And you're going all the way across the world. I've always heard this myth that the water goes in the opposite direction down the drain in Australia (laughs) because you're on the other side of the equator. So it's your job to report back. That's our first investigative report. There you go. From down under. Australia. Yeah, no, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an adventure. Do you think there will be an outback steakhouse in Australia? <laughs> if so, uh, I hope not. <laughs> I want to bloom an onion on the other side of the world and see if it tastes like it does in St. Louis, Missouri. As bad there as it does here, right? No. You are an elitist. <laughs> no, bloomin okay. onions are the best. Outback is good. I guess. Of course, the bougie soccer reporter among us. And we should probably introduce ourselves. We are taking over the post-report studio. We uh, we sportos. And uh, we're talking about World Cup. We have pirated. (laughs) We have locked everybody else out. Yes. Okay, let's explain to people who we are. I'm Candace Buckner. I'm a sports columnist at the Washington Post, and I'm new to soccer. Yay! You're going to the World Cup. I'm going. I'm going to bring back a koala bear. How about <laughs> you, Stephen Goff? I'm Stephen Goff, a uh, soccer writer for the Washington Post. This will be uh, World Cup number 14, including six six women's Ooh. World Cups. And I'm Sally Jenkins. I'm a columnist for the Washington Post. Let's go, Sally! Yeah. This is our little team in here. (laughs) This is our dream team. This is our dream team. (laughs) It's Wednesday, July 19th. And this is Post Reports. And we're going to talk about football. It's World Cup time for the women in Australia and New Zealand. Can I do it? Can I do it? Go! I have a question. Is Stephen Goff the greatest soccer reporter in the world? 200%. No. Completely. 200%. Most knowledgeable. His Twitter Twitter handle is Soccer Insider. Yeah. I trust you on all things soccer-y soccer. That's just because I got it first. That's all. Yeah. I got in quick. Clearly the players trust you too. That's what's so cool is that you— I guess some of them do and some don't. I mean, it's like any other sport. Some have stronger connections to— they kind of look at you others. squinty-eyed like you don't run for a living. <laughs> exactly. There's always that yeah. attitude coming towards you like, I don't see you running. You're not, <laughs> you're not fit enough to be here. <laughs> right. Okay, we're, we're offsides already. We've, we've gone galloping down the field. Let, let's back up for a second and set the scene. The World Cup begins July 20th. Biggest field in the Women's World Cup history. 32 teams. Anticipatory excitement for more record-breaking attendance and ratings, although it is in Australia, which is going to be a time zone uh, issue for for people here, right, Steve? Help us understand, okay, let's lay the groundwork first. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest tournament ever. Um, 32 teams is expansion. the, The women's game has grown, and the need to increase the number of participants um, has grown as well. And so now we're at a point where 
There are some growing pains with the number of teams because some uh, aren't quite there to compete with the top teams. But, you know, women's soccer is at a point now where it's it's drawing global audiences for a, a World Cup um, in Australia and New Zealand over a four-week span. Um, this will be this will be the biggest women's specific sport event um, um, ever. And so I think um, this is an opportunity not just for women's soccer, but for women's sports to really um, reach a global audience, more of a global audience, uh, and capture some imagination along the way. And the U.S. is going for its third straight World Cup title? The U.S. is going for a third straight. They won two. Um, <clears throat> they won in Canada in 2015. They won in France in 2019. No men's or women's team has ever won three consecutive World Cups. And so they are on the cusp of history. So they're going for three in a row. Uh, it's not going to be easy for them. The competition has intensified among the top programs. But this is the capacity to be um, a fascinating tournament. So golf, what does this team look like? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's not as experienced as in the past. There are 14 players now who've never been in a World Cup, 14 out of 23. There's nine players coming back. There are several players who probably would have been on this team but are injured. So, you know, there's certainly an experience factor with this team. Now, these young players for the U.S. are awfully, awfully good. Um, we're talking about Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Naomi Gurma, and others. And, and so they are proven as professionals. They are proven as this na- on in this national team, but they've never been to a World Cup. And most of them have never been to an Olympics. So, you know, you put them on this big stage, um, how are they going to react? You know, there's, there's great pressure and there's expectation with this U.S. team. They are the front runner in women's soccer over the past 30 years. They are on the spot. Certainly the experienced players will lead the way. Um, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino in a secondary role compared to, to past years. You know, they're missing the leadership of Becky Sauerbrunn. That's a big deal. What happened um, to Becky? Becky has a foot injury, was unable to make this roster, wasn't going to be ready. She's out. They lost, captain. They lost the their cap- captain. They lost their captain. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean there's no leadership on this team. Alex Morgan, uh, Lindsey Horan have been named co-captains. So there are players on this team that will lead the way. Um, Rose Lavelle, who was a star at the 2019 World Cup in France, she hasn't played in months because of an injury. She made the team. She should be ready, but she's not at the top of her game. So there's a lot of questions with this U.S. team. My impression, Steve, is that this team is a little bit more of a project than the team that we saw in the last World Cup in terms of integrating younger players with the established stars and veterans, right? Yeah, Jill Ellis, um, the former coach of the U.S. team, she won two championships Uh, She stepped down after the 2019 World Cup. You know, national team coaches don't go on forever. It's very rare in soccer to have a national team coach go for more than one World Cup cycle. She went for two. She stepped aside. Vlako Andonovsky, who had coached in the NWSL, the domestic pro league here, was a natural successor to her. Well-liked, well-known by many of the players from his work in the NWSL. And his job was really to, you know, integrate some new players, um, get the most out of some of his experienced players. 
it's been uh it's been a pretty smooth transition they don't you know they play the way they've always played which is attacking and exciting and scoring goals and just overwhelming opponents with their talent and their depth but what happened in the Tokyo Olympics cuz I yeah. think they they weren't even in the gold medal game, right? <clears throat> no, nah, they lost in the semis to Canada. And for a U.S. program expecting to play for a championship in every major tournament, that was a big deal. And so the pressure's on Vlako Andonovsky, too, to get to the final. And, you know, he he addressed this situation and, and what they are going to face at this World Cup recently. Would I be happy with anything short of third straight win? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, uh, there is only one thing in mind. We're going to this tournament. Uh, is uh, we're going to, you know, our goal is to to win the the World Cup. There's no question about it. Uh, and uh, I don't think that anyone on our team thinks anything different. Uh, the so the expectations are are enormous for this team. Um, losing in the semifinals is considered a failure, whether it's Olympics or World Cup. You got to get to the final. You're not going to win every final, and they haven't. But anything less than that, I think, will be will be very disappointing to the coach, to the players, certainly to the fans. And um, that's their challenge. Probably nobody more so than Megan Rapino. her last go-round. She's retiring. It's with a really deep sense of peace and gratitude and excitement that I want to share with you guys. This is going to be my last season, um, my last World Cup and my last NWSL season. I could have just like never imagined um, where this beautiful game would have taken me. Um, I feel so honored to be able to have represented this country and this federation for so many years. Um, it's truly been the greatest thing that I've ever done. Yeah, I think there's, you know, we've seen these cycles where players want to go out on a high note, whether it's Wombach, whether it's Carly Lloyd, the Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy era. You know, Rapino's won a couple of them, and uh, her, she's, she announced her retirement um, before this tournament started. She would love to go out on top, and I think a lot of people would, on that team would like to win it for her, uh, win a third title. I know Megan Rapino as or Pino as the soccer Pino. kids Pino. call her, and that's yeah. exactly what I am now. Such a soccer expert. <laughs> so I obviously know uh, Megan for her activism, yes. um, political activism, speaking out. She is um, eloquent. She's the perfect spokesperson for this team. What I don't know is really how good is she as a soccer player. So off the pitch, she's an icon. Yeah. But is she close to being what she was? In 2019. No, no. That's, that's a very easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, she's still an effective player. She's still an influential player, but not at the not at the level she she was um, four years ago. I mean, that's the natural progression of for for most athletes. Um, she's still an important figure on this team, both on and off the field, at the World Cup in terms of um, her leadership, her mentorship of the young players. And on the field, she can still serve, cross a pretty nice ball and set things up. She's not going to dazzle, or we don't expect her to dazzle like she has in the past. Um, but she still has a she still has a, a, a role as a competitor 
and as a player on this team. You used to be able to see her literally separate on the field. I mean, she could yeah. she could accelerate, and she looked like she was running on a different motor than the, the people around her, you know. But now, really, her role will be the passing game, right? Set pieces, what they call set pieces, sure. which is setting other people up. She's yeah. She's the assist artist on this team still, isn't she? She can be, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, she's not a full-time starter on this team anymore. She'll be a spot starter. I mean, they're not going to, you know, the lineup's not going to be the same every game. It's, that's, you know, there's so much depth on this team that they can rest players and get them ready. So Megan Rapino will have her moments, but, you know, we're not by any means expecting her to be on the field at the start of every game. What does she mean to the younger players? Yeah, I mean, I think they, the younger players understand her role as a leader. Um, I think they respect her immensely. Sophia Smith has, has commented on, on what um, a young player like herself has, has looked to for, for Rapino. I, I don't even think there's words to say what Pino has meant to the growth of soccer in this country, and not just this country, worldwide. She is a legend. She has spoken up and, you know, talked about a lot of issues that were never talked about before. She's used her platform in the best ways to create change. And on the field, I mean, she's she's a legend. Um, I think they admire what she has accomplished as a player, first and foremost. She's certainly been a pillar of excellence for this program, and I think every player admires her in, in their own way. All right, so after the break, we're going to get political, guys. We are going to talk about equal pay, specifically uh, the women's team fight for equal pay and how it's changed since the last World Cup. Come back with us. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. I saw a fascinating video on Twitter uh, by Alexis Ohanian, Serena Williams' husband, who's one of the owners of Angel City. Yep. Uh, they're Los Angeles' women's soccer club, and, and he tells a story about how he was sitting around watching the last World Cup in France with Serena, and they have a daughter. And he says to Serena, wouldn't it be great uh, if Olympia, if our little girl were to play in a women's World Cup someday? And Serena turned to him and said, not until she's paid what she's worth, she won't be playing <laughs> soccer, right? I recently watched um, LFG, and it probably needs updating at the end, because spoiler alert, it's about their equal pay fight. But at the end of the doc, there's really no resolution. The resolution that we know that happened later is that uh, the women fought for and got a settlement. Yeah. Um, but how do they get there? Yeah, I mean, their fight was with the U.S. Soccer Federation, the governing body for the sport in this country, um, over equal treatment, equal uh, equal everything, money, um, certainly. Um, but they wanted the same thing the men had. And um, 
the U.S. Soccer Federation in their mind was falling well short in a lot of those areas. Certainly the money uh, received the most attention in the public. And um, we saw at the last World Cup fans in the crowd in France chanting equal pay, equal pay after they won a championship. So this was resonating. It took years to get what they wanted. There was a settlement in court, and there was also um, a collective bargaining agreement um, reached. All the money for the men and the women that is earned at a World Cup is pooled together and then is distributed. So it's, uh, it's a great victory for the women, given all their success. And, you know, to some extent, the male players are, should be given credit, too, for coming to the table and agreeing to, to this deal. So they worked it out. And those issues that in many ways overshadowed the last World Cup just aren't there for the U.S. team anymore. I think Alex Morgan uh, remarked that this generation of players will be the first players who, who can compete in a World Cup without having to fight the equal pay battle at the same time they're trying to play, right? And a great documentary bookend to LFG is there's a great documentary on the 99ers, the Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy team. And you can literally see how they had to live and how they had to travel and that they were getting, you know, stipends, uh, meal money was about all they got in order yeah. to play. They were just supposed to be happy to be on a bus, wow. you know. Um, so it, it's really the the evolution of the equal pay yeah. thing uh, from 1999 to this World Cup is, is really remarkable. But that's how long it took, mm-hmm. you know. And man, the settlement just happened in 2022. It took a while, yeah. right? Golly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's, you know... <laughs> 25 years, basically, right? I mean, a quarter century, yeah. this fight went on. Yeah, I mean, they had there were some things that they, you know, they, they enjoyed um, on equal terms with the men. But there, there's certainly some Starting catching up beer. to they, do. Yeah, yeah. lager. They, they had equal amounts of lager, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now, you know, it's interesting. They have now set the standard, and, and other programs around the world are envious of what the U.S. women get, you know. So other um, federations are going through their equal pay fight oh now? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, wow. it's nasty. I mean, Canada is going through it now. Um, there have been issues in uh, a lot of countries, you know, uh, who are, you know, players who are fighting their federations, federations that have, you know, dragged their feet for years. And in traditional soccer-playing countries where... The men's game has um, has dominated. The people who run the sport have been very slow to embrace the women's game. And now the players in these countries are stepping up and speaking out. You know, I think we'll see some protests or some voices heard um, at this World Cup. Much of that credit or maybe all the credit goes to the U.S. team for, you know, kind of sparking that revolution. They're the Johnny Appleseeds in a lot of ways, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, you know, set the standard in, in, on and off the field. So who's like the Alex Morgan or the Sophia Smith internationally? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at top players from around the world, the player that really jumps out to me, and, and, and this is partly because she's playing for a team that's uh, a host country, is Sam Kerr for Australia. Um, a dynamic attacker, plays professionally in England. Uh, she played in the NWSL for several years. You know, Australia has a—Australia's always been on the the edge of being a, a serious contender. And playing at home with Sam Kerr leading the way, 
you know, Australia can make a serious run in this. The team that I think is the greatest threat to the U.S. is England. England is the defending European champion. They did lose some players to injury that won't be at the World Cup. But this is a team full of confidence. They beat the U.S. in a friendly uh, last year at Wembley Stadium. Um, you know, they the game in England has grown, the women's game in England has grown immensely over the last few years. They're now drawing huge crowds for their national team matches. The domestic league is more established than ever. So I, th- I think England's the biggest threat. And then you have the, you know, you have perennials, Germany, Sweden, France, Canada is a defending gold medalist at the last Olympics. So um, there's some threats there. And then Brazil, uh, this is going to be Marta's last World Cup, her sixth World Cup, which is extraordinary. Is she considered the GOAT of women's soccer? It's a great argument to make. You know, she hasn't won a World Cup or an Olympics. So, you know, certainly she has that same um, issue that Messi, Lionel Messi had going into the last Men's World Cup that he had never won the the big one. Uh, you know, Marta, from a technical standpoint, you can make the case, um, you know, American fans will certainly say someone like Mia Hamm. Uh, was better. Um, you know, Marta's coming off an ACL injury too, like a lot of players. And um, this is her last chance at glory. Brazil's always had the ability. They've never seemed to have the mentality to win. And with her on the field, this is their, this is the last chance of of, of her generation. Lauren James of England, pretty, another player that may capture Attention, right? A separator, you know, audacious scorer. Yeah, I mean, England— The, lion, the lionesses have—they have something. I, I feel like the lionesses are the closest thing to an, a, 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 the American culture. Yeah. The culture of the, the American national team. I feel like they have—they're building up to something like that. Yeah, and if you talk—talking uh, to Jill Ellis, um, the former U.S. coach, she said, you know— the, the, one of the big things the U.S. had over other countries, not just, it wasn't just the talent, it was the mentality. And now you're seeing other countries gain that mentality. And by winning the European Championship, which was a big deal for England, playing at home, um, they now seem to have that mentality. Can we drill down on that word for one second, mentality? What mm-hmm. do you mean by mentality? What, what, what is that? We are going to win the game. Toughness. You know, toughness. It's, it's, you know, the U.S. team, every time they step on the field, it doesn't matter who they're playing or who the individuals are. The mentality, the, the, the belief is we are going to win. It might not be easy. It might not be pretty, but we are going to find a way to win. And you saw that in the last World Cup. <laughs> it, was not, it was not an easy road for the U.S., but they won. They always find a way to win. And so other countries are beginning to gain that superiority. Yeah, like we we can beat this team, yeah. you know, and it doesn't mean you're going to, but at least you have the belief that you are. And, and I think that's that's changed. Candace, you're going to your first World Cup. Rookie, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean how exciting. Noob. How how exciting, right? A breakout opportunity for you. But you're not the only one that's going to be a rookie at this deal, right, Steve? I mean, there are going to be yeah. a lot of people in their first World Cup, aren't there? Yeah. Um, you got new teams, and you have—and because they're new teams, you got new players. 
And a lot, uh, you know, some of these developing countries, soccer development countries, um, are are bringing young players to the forefront. Um, you know, they're not they're not at a place where they have a player pool that's you know 50, 50 deep. If there's a young, talented player, a 16, 17, 18 year old in these countries, they're going to be on the World Cup squad. Teenagers. Um, yeah, you're gonna you'll. You'll definitely see some teenagers out there. Um, you know, there's a 16-year-old in South Korea who's uh, Korean-American who will be there. Um, and I, I think you'll, you'll see that in other countries um, making, their, making their initial uh, mark in a World Cup and providing a platform for uh, some of their young talent that, you know, years from now will draw from this experience and help their country grow and help the sport grow. I will say I've learned a lot. This was fun. This was like sailing a pirate ship. (laughs) (laughs) We took it into uncharted waters (laughs) with soccer balls all around us. Steve, you're the best, my man. Sally, thank thank you you for coming uh, and taking over. And we we might get to do this again before the World Cup is over, if they let us. With the koala bear? With the koala bear. I'm bringing the kangaroo. (laughs) Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis. Love her. And Lucas Trevor, he's the best. It was mixed by Sean Carter, not Beyonce's husband, and edited by Renita Jablonski. Hopefully I didn't screw up your name. Also by Rena Flores. Thank you to Dan Steinberg and Sarah Larimer, our editors extraordinaire. If you want to show support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do. In fact, the only way to support the work we do. And you get access to all our latest Women's World Cup coverage. Go to WashingtonPost.com backslash subscribe. And we'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can't forget the U.S. play Friday night against Vietnam. We'll be watching. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.